Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before this episode begins, I want to personally invite you to become a socio. It means member, shareholder. It means you join us and support us. Every month, we produce one exclusive big interview and a documentary special, all for our socios. Sign up now at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Graham Hunter. And you'll not only get this month's shows, but also unlock our entire beautiful archive. The latest interview is with Roberto Di Matteo, and this month's documentary is titled Pep Talk, where we delve into Pep Guardiola's developing and interesting relationship with the British media. Go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter to become one of our growing and much-loved army of socios. Hello, socios. Welcome to a big inside view on the other end of this line in Barcelona, Mr. Graham Hunter. Hello, everybody. Hello. Time to get the microscope out. Okay, we're going to zoom in, get tight, one subject. What do you want to talk about today, Graham? It's got to be Zidane and his role in where Real Madrid find themselves uh, right now, which is three trophies to the good and world champions again, but a historic number of points, 19, with a game in hand behind Football Club Barcelona, it's something that's never happened in the history of La Liga before that they're so far behind, albeit that, you know, it's a very small bend. They're running the bend in athletics terms because they've got a game against Leganes, which you'd expect them to win. But nonetheless, set the gap aside. And why we're going to focus on this issue is that there are discernible things which are adding to Real Madrid's poor run of form, uh, which is comprised of very bad results at the Bernabeu, strange results in the Copa del Rey when the second team, the B team, as they're dubbed, I want to argue about that, when they play. And therefore, right now, there's not only um, a malaise, not only was it Villarreal's first ever win at the Bernabeu in about 18 or 19 shots on Saturday, but there are serious things amiss at Real Madrid. And given what you and I, Martin, here on this podcast know and the listeners um, about Real Madrid and Florentino Perez irrespective of the fact that Zidane authored the most successful two years in the history of Real Madrid ever just swallow that for an idea 
it, it's patently clear then that unless something dramatic happens, then his tenure won't last past the summer, which is a shocking thing to be able to say with, with confidence after all that he's achieved since taking over. It certainly is. It seems like he's going to like beat Claudio Ranieri in terms <laughs> of losing that kind of bulletproof status immediately after phenomenal success. Yeah, neither of us is trying to push Zidane out the door and, and hopefully it can be avoided because I'm very passionate about the fact that we mustn't ignore central truths about his situation before we look at his contribution to Real Madrid in that this is a very junior coach. This is somebody who, before he took over, admitted that he was learning the ropes, admitted that the training courses that he'd undertaken, both general manager, sports director and coaching, all the coaching badges, had really tested him and that he knew that he would go through spells like this. So people who are looking at the fact that the league campaign is imploding under Zidane shouldn't imagine that Zidane is some sort of complacent, lazy superstar who believes that he's there by right because of his um, name, because of his uh, French international team achievements and his Real Madrid achievements. That isn't the case. This is a, a methodical, hard-working, pretty humble guy, I should have started with that word first, who understands that he's on a learning curve. And as such, it wouldn't shock me either if he said that's two years packed away with plenty of success at Real Madrid or two and a half years by the summer. I'm going to do something else and then, hey, maybe we'll see each other in a not too distant future. Three, four, five, six years. Who knows? Coaching Real Madrid twice is something that a number of coaches have done and it wouldn't surprise me at all if he was smart enough to, to see that as an idea that he could put his own handle on, that he could be in charge of his, his own destiny. But your Ranieri comparison is interesting because it, you, you were touching on popularity, you were touching on something extraordinary being achieved that should leave you Teflon. That's not Real Madrid. Um, the comparison between the extraordinary high of Ranieri's league victory and Zidane, for example, being back-to-back world champions, back-to-back Champions League winners, the, the first guy ever to author that as a, as a manager of a football club in the history of the competition, taking the title back from, from Barcelona, getting a group of good players who were underperforming before he took over to to play at very high pitch, you know, to play at ramming speed consistently for, for two years. So the change is is quite dramatic. And it was, you know, it was brought to a head by the fact that VRL uh, came to Bernabeu on Saturday with a minimum four, I would say five key footballers who would have started had they been fit or not suspended, plus Bakambu, their striker in limbo because he's moving to China. The move hasn't gone through yet, but it meant Baka was alone up front. Bakambu and Baka would have been a partnership. Who knows whether that would have, the change in structure of the team, change in personnel of the team, would have helped Villarreal get this win or wouldn't have done because given that they uh, they wrapped up that victory late in the game again, thanks to Pablo Fornal's brilliant chipped goal. If anybody hasn't seen it, the game is worth watching. You'd back that up, Neil. The game's worth watching in general. Well, we're going to extrapolate quite a lot of sort of lessons from the game that can be applied to um, a lot of the stumbling blocks that Real Madrid have endured this season. But just the goal, why don't you just describe the goal as it unfolded? Well, okay, I will. Let me get the context. The context is that 
it, it's been an entertaining game. It's been a very technical game. It's been a very strategic game. It's been open and Real Madrid have peppered uh, Sergio Senjo's goal. There are some of the chances that should have gone in without without wanting to sound hackneyed because when it comes to Madrid or Barcelona, and people would argue Manchester United, Arsenal, Milan, by minute, there there are refereeing decisions to, to set up the context before we talk about the goal because, in, in my view, unquestionably Real Madrid are denied two penalties. The second of which is, is absolutely crucial. It's a beautiful move served up by Isco to Ronaldo and, and because of a collision with the defender where the defender certainly trips Ronaldo. Ronaldo gets to the ball just that two beats of a heart too late and goes out and blocks. The referee misses the fact that Ronaldo's been fouled as he tries to approach the ball. So the game has been beautifully balanced. It has swung each way and Villarreal have had some opportunities and they've always played with confidence. And what happens is their coach, Calleja, makes tactical changes. Baca comes off, and given that it's striker for striker, what it immediately looks like is that he has seen something that makes him believe he's going to win this game. And before we describe the goal as such, the key thing that, that we're learning in La Liga is that the two big teams need to be pushed, they need to be attacked. Um, because at the stage when VRL changed Baca off, if they don't bring on Enes Unal, their newly recuperated slightly raw Turkish striker, then it's going to be the Alamo, they're going to be blocked off in their own last third of the pitch and probably Real Madrid are going to pick them off. Instead, the Turk is going to play up front. Cherishev has been brought on in the second half to get width and pace. And when the ball comes into the box, the Villarreal box with three or four minutes remaining, there's this brilliant piece of play where one of the centre-halves clears the ball just to his left, only by a couple of metres, to Cherishev, who's on the left-hand edge of his own penalty box. And he chooses to nod the ball down and turn and sprint. And from that point onwards, Villarreal move the ball upfield with total assurance the pass to find Cherishev, the sort of Russian-Spanish shared nationality, although he's a Russian international, his his pace and the pass to find him has meant that even one of the fastest players in the Real Madrid team, Danny Carvajal, is kind of going cartoon-style, arms at double speed, chest puffed out. He looks deeply uncomfortable, Carvajal. <laughs> he's going at full tilt and he's still running through mud. Cherishev hasn't got far past him, but Carvajal can't get there to close the the sidewards pass off the left foot of Cherishev. And Carvajal's working his socks off. And for once, Marcelo isn't playing like a centre forward. He's back as well. But as Cherishev, way back in his own penalty box, nods the ball down, only two or three players go, yeah, this is the moment I'm on the run. And one of them is Fornals, this exceptionally talented and clever midfielder that they bought from Malaga in the summer. And when they bought him, I said on the TV programme we do here for La Liga that he's in the right environment to learn. At Villarreal, he'll be given chances. He'll be given more possession of the ball offensively. And in recent weeks, the connection between him and the Colombian striker, Baca, has been fabulous. That One or other has been supplying the other fella with a goal pass, 
one of them will be converting the goal. It's been good to watch. Fornals in the first half plays a delightful outside of the right foot pass through the middle defence into the path of Baca. And only Nacho's very, very alert, very clever interception or block actually stops it being a goal. So Fornals is off on the run in this instance. And Varane kind of goes with him, but a good sort of five or six metres behind. Where are, for example, where's Cruz, where's Casemiro? Where are the players who should be saying, it's my job to be in the way of this, to be to be chasing up in case there's a save, which is what happens. Did the assistant referee keep up well enough to, to judge whether the Turks on site? Enes Unal gets the pass from Cherishev, and it's arguable that he might be... Half a yard offside, might be. The angle isn't good from television. I was commentating off the tube rather than in the stadium. Hard to tell, but the decision goes with them. And what happens is Kaylor Navas does what, again, for the umpteenth time this season, if key footballers, notably Casemiro, Modric, Cruz, were playing like Kaylor, Madrid would still be in the title race. He comes out. He makes a very good save um, from Enes Unal and the ball breaks directly behind the Turk where only Fornals has got himself into position. Varane, as the Turk has shaped to shoot, has just put the brakes on, has just stopped running, thinking, that's it. Not that ultra-competitive attitude about, I'm going to be there in case there's something to mop up. Fornals has kept going. It's a Phil Mickelson bunker shot in the Masters. Left foot, first time, because Kaylor has just got up and is trying desperately to, to scoop at it uh, like a cat jumping at a balloon. He maybe gets a fingertip on it, but he's lobbed for the second time in two matches, having been lobbed through his own fault, bad positioning last week by the Dane Daniel Vass up at Balaidos in the 2-2 draw against Celta Vigo. This time... <laughs> Not only is Kaylor blameless, he's very nearly rescued the game for them, uh, rescued the point for Real Madrid. But if we're talking about microcosms, if we're talking about one instant to sum up the last three months, it's the fact that the other team excels, does everything right late in a game where Real Madrid's mental and physical energy has dropped beyond anything that's acceptable. Their second half performances have been throughout La Liga an absolute disgrace. Secondly, that's that concept of at any cost, give everything, rescue, rescue, rescue. That thing, that element of fight, they call it gara here, um, that element of all hands on deck in, in the key moments is is a central part of Real Madrid's so-called strategy because they are a club built on, particularly in the Galactico era, we have better players than you and therefore strategy or no strategy, we will simply outplay you. We will simply produce more big moments than you. And if we don't, we'll have somebody, Sergio Ramos, Ica Casillas, maybe a Pepe, somebody producing a moment of saving all hands on deck, just producing an enormous tackle or a stop or a piece of streetwise football that the referee doesn't notice. And nobody wanted to do that. Nobody was there to do that when Fornals scored that fabulous goal and um, left Real Madrid in a 
desperate position. This for a side, as I said, never ever won at the Bernabeu before. And you, you see when the goal goes in, the camera cuts to Zidane's face and he isn't bothered who's looking as he says, hijo de puta. With the boiling rage of the sloppiness that he's seen in front of him so much that he loses his temper and swears. It's a beautiful goal. But boy, oh boy, does it put a magnifying glass on the various different faults that Roma did have continued to show in, um, let's call it the last three months. Okay, that's, first of all, a great description of a goal that if you haven't seen it, you have to see. But I like the idea that it gets to what's going wrong at Real Madrid. I don't think Zidane is without defence, but why don't we start by taking this second half problem, this late in the game problem. How can you connect that to anything that the manager's doing? Well, first of all, there's been a a built-in problem in that at some stage during the summer, the training hasn't been quite good enough. Whether that's Zidane's um, fitness guy, uh, Pintus, whether it's the um, degree of intensity that Zidane asked for, these are things that haven't laid a bedrock of fitness. But then there's the mentality. When Madrid start well, and they do, by beating Manchester United in one of the Super Cups and thrashing Barcelona in the domestic Super Cup, it looks as if it's business as usual. But the rust that has happened, where several players have thought, if I continue to do what I'm doing, I'm guaranteed to start. There's a World Cup round the corner. I'll just save... 1% here, 1% there, 1% the next day. And there have been an accumulation of weeks when Zidane's training, which was perfect, literally round peg, round hole, from when he took over until probably September, October, whereby he had a group of very competitive footballers from number one to number 18 or 19 in his squad who were all able to enjoy the training. The training is focused on things that make players happy. Passing drills, shooting drills, mini games, pressing. The physical work is all on the ball. That's right. Um, It's the modern way. But what it hasn't taken account of is the heavy load on the players physically and psychologically since Sedan took over because with the exception of losing the league to Barcelona where they pushed them all the way in Zidane's first half season and then losing the cup to Celta Vigo last season, this group of players has gotten all the way to the finishing line every time. That takes a toll. But it also introduces rust or complacency or just that subconscious dropping of standards and therefore when the coach however junior he is in his career needs to see that on a daily basis and anticipate it and Zidane is a guy who is in his second full season of being an elite football manager that's a time when if, if you remember when Alex Ferguson was in his second season of being an elite football manager, he was still a year or two off lambasting his players live on television after the 1983 Scottish Cup final by saying that their effort wasn't good enough and these stand- my standards are higher than this and they're all getting a-, a roasting. Having won the Cup Winners' Cup in the pouring rain an extra time on the Wednesday and beating Rangers at Hamden. Ferguson was at that stage 
several years on ahead of Zidane in terms of experience and was making one of the most dramatic personnel choices and, and media choices of his entire life. The fact that Zidane is imperfect while he's only halfway through his second full season as an elite coach is something that's entirely understandable. However, he's lived through... I think a couple of eras which should allow him to have anticipated this problem. One at Juventus, where the atmosphere was of be your best every single day. There's somebody breathing down your neck. This is an aggressive club with an aggressive fitness schedule, an aggressive winning attitude day in, day out, not match day by match day. He lived in that atmosphere in Turin and should have benefited from it in making decisions over the last three months. Secondly, he saw the best and worst of the Galactico era under Florentino Perez when he signed to Madrid and all around him there were people who thought that it was good to play well episodically. Ronaldo at that stage was living the party life. Roberto Carlos was joining him. Other players were phoning the president to say, Prezi, I know it's a training day to day, but what I'd like you to tell the coach is that I can be excused because I've got a a marketing commitment or I want to go and visit somebody in Paris. That there was a real, we're good enough to beat other teams without paying attention every day atmosphere at the club at that time. And Zidane suffered from it because he did not win as much at Real Madrid as he should have done. And by the end, there was a sense of decay, not just around the squad, but around the management and Florentino Perez. And it wasn't long after Zidane left that Florentino Perez had to stand down. He's seen enough in his past that he should have been able to anticipate that some rust was coming right now. And that's really all it's been. And you, if you look at the... You and I have discussed games like Real Betis winning for the first time at the Bernabeu back in September for first time in 22 years, I think it was. Um, Valencia getting a 2-2 draw with a team that had been largely put together the week before. In those instances, we've been able to see players in white who don't quite understand why they haven't got a fifth gear. What They're reaching for an extra effort. They're reaching for a special moment defensively or pulling the rabbit out of the hat in an attacking sense. And you can see that what isn't happening is that they don't care. They do. There's nobody in that squad who's going, yeah, well, listen, I I could tidy this season away, put it in a drawer, concentrate on the World Cup and come back and everything will be fine in August again. They're all going, what's wrong? Each of them is saying and looking like and playing like, I'm trying, but um, I don't have the resources. And that comes from a long build-up of subconscious minor percentage drops in attention, in intensity, in in focus, in attitude, in work ethic. And the guy who's in charge of all of that, and the guy who's got the, the spider cam view every day, is the coach. And, and, and Zidane has not anticipated it and then has not reacted to it. That's a key, key factor in why he, when he trusted that same 11 bar Carvajal for Ashraf from last week, because Carvajal came back from suspension, he was saying, guys, we're in this together. You've brought me these trophies. I've been your guy. I've been your mentor. I've been your Robin Williams, captain, my captain. And that'll do this weekend again. And it was anticipatable that they weren't up for the task. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Graham Zidane's not the first manager to stand by a group of players for too long. Is that his major sin here? Latterly. Latterly, it definitely is. And picking on this theme of him reaching out to the guys who immediately delivered to him as soon as he took over and then reacted to every big test, winning when they weren't playing well, winning against a big opponent, winning in Cardiff when Juventus looked as if they were rivals that could beat them, taking the fight to Barcelona and winning at the camp now. You can easily understand what it is that motivates him to continue trusting And what's frustrating, must be frustrating for him, is that in about three or four or five weeks, whatever, these same players now who are looking helpless and who can't understand where their fifth gear or fourth gear has gone, these same guys will be delivering for him. Some of these same guys will probably be in or around the World Cup semi-finals and finals. So you can understand his logic. It's about timing. Because... He should have been able to to see that not standing by two or three of them was the right thing to do because of accumulated results, because of, in his two previous seasons, one of which was a six-month period, he, he, he looked to be brilliant at choosing right guy, right time, rotating, but also substitutions. What it turns out is that everything was going fine then, and that's why he was getting it right. And he's not some amazing guru who's got utterly brilliant 
man management skills in his first two seasons as a full-time manager of an elite demanding club. I'll tell you something as well. When he made that mistake to reach out against Villarreal particularly, there are two things that come into it. He was he had his fingers badly burned for a radical change against Barcelona in the Clasico, which happened to be the wrong change. Kovacic. Kovacic starting in midfield to try and clamp down on Messi and to stop Rakitic running freely as well. No Esco. It didn't work. Kovacic floundered. They didn't make the change at half-time. We've done a big inside view on this. But in life, not just in football, it's very easy to go, oh, I got that one wrong. I'll go, the pendulum will swing the other way, 180 degrees. I'll go back to tried and tested and I'll find my comfort there. That's one thing that explains his mistakes. And the second one is, I think there's an element of, if not tiredness, saturation. When we talk about a club like Real Madrid, who are playing constantly three games per week, constantly in demand, who have played three cup finals, one of which was a two-legged game this season already, the time to think, the time to assimilate, and in my view, the time to reach out for counsel. Zidane is by no means naive or stupid or innocent in football terms, but he's a very raw manager. Even at 45, and with everything that he's won as a manager or a player, he is... He's an apprentice. You can use that word. I'd like him to choose his person. It's easy to name Marcello Lippi as somebody who thoroughly influenced Zidane's career at um, Juve. Amy Jacquet at France. Del Bosque, who was the recipient of his signature in the Galactico era. These are guys to whom he can reach out and say, I know you haven't been watching match by match. I'm not asking you to solve my problems. But you must have encountered these situations umpteen times in your lives, generally, what would your idea be? That's something that is immediately available to him. So he's he's made a fault. His fault is in reaching out for the tried and tested at a time when it was patently obvious that that wasn't the right thing to do, but you can understand why he did. So you've already mentioned the young talent that he's got kicking its heels on the bench. Can you just walk us through one by one the guys that you think are bubbling under and where they would fit into his team. We can, and I don't want to sound, you know, like Monday morning quarterback, cocky, and I don't want to cheat and retrospectively say everything's simple because to have promoted certain of the ones that we're going to walk through now included an element of risk. Because in the cup displays, some of these footballers have looked patchy. But you have to understand... If six or seven guys who don't have a lot of experience are playing in the same cup team against a very plucky, organised, football-playing Division One side in British terms, Segunda in Spanish terms, you can be extended, you can be tested. And they were against Fuenlabrada. And they were against Numancia, two fabulously attractive football-playing sides. It was a joy to watch each of them um, take tight results off Real Madrid. So having given Zidane, you know, freedom to say, well, it's not as if I was sitting on a Diego Maradona in the, in the B team in the cup. What is clear, to, at least to my eyes, is that Vallejo, a central defender who had time out in the Bundesliga and took an awful long time to make his debut because Real Madrid's defence was 
relatively settled even when it rotated. It was a rotation quite simply between three central defenders. And Vallejo um, had injury problems and then on his cup debut got sent off. The sexy thing immediately to say to you might have been Ceballos or, or Theo or Borja, but let's let's focus on... Vallejo is going to be a fabulous defender. Vallejo will be a Spain defender. He isn't 100% made yet, but he's in the tradition of um, Sanchez or Fernando Hierro, central defenders at Real Madrid who are aggressive and dominant and want to win the ball at all times and will get into scrapes, but can also play football. Their pass, their judgment, their reading of a tackle, and I'm talking about short, medium and long distance passing. Vallejo's a footballer. That would have allowed uh, Nacho not to be playing in centre defence and Nacho could have taken Marcello's place in a couple of uh, matches. Simple. But also Vallejo on merit. The other ones that are a little bit more um, controversial would be Alaves. When Teo was on loan from Atletico Madrid, at Alaves, they were a defensive, very well organised, Pellegrino, Southampton manager, team. That, that that was it has it had his stamp all over it, and Teo was an athlete. What he's looked like at Real Madrid is, is not yet the greatest of footballers, not the brainiest of footballers. So Alaves, when they broke, he was ideal. They were breaking, and when they won the ball, and it was a counter, and and Real Madrid at home almost never get that situation. It's how do you break people down with craft and movement, combination passes, a trick. So Teo's opportunities have been limited because he's clearly on a learning curve. But there, I focus on that next at Vallejo because one of the places where Zidane didn't need to keep on picking a player is Marcelo, whose form has been atrocious. His already uh, hairy defending and positional sense have just been abandoned. He's got as much positional sense as... Mark Thatcher in the desert, you know. You'd need to send a rescue party out to find Marcel in a lot of the big games, particularly at home, where things have gone badly wrong for uh, Real Madrid. And therefore, either getting Nacho in left back or Teo, letting Teo find his feet, taking, again, admittedly, a risk. That was a possibility. And you we're probably, in saying Zidane got it wrong against Villarreal, we're probably only talking about one or two changes and we're probably also talking about sending a direct message, not just about beating VRL, but sending a direct message to the other players. Stop resting in your laurels. You can't assume that because you've also seen these cup displays where some of the new boys, when all piled together in the same team, don't quite look the business. The, the, I will use these guys, and I will use these guys repeatedly. I think that was the... Certainly, you and I have learned by watching top managers that repeatedly they will go, I'm, I'm making this change for two distinct purposes. One, because I've seen lapses in your concentration or your intensity or your application. But two, I'm going to show everybody that this kid is going to play, risk included. And the ones, there are a number of other players, but the ones that stand out to me are Ceballos. And it's the controversial one, because Ceballos, whenever he's played, either on first-team duty, and he got two absolutely vital goals up at Alaves when he played in the first team in La Liga, and also in the Cup. His ability, without question, is already remitted first-team. His movement, his command of the ball, his ability to go past players, he's got a nastiness about him, he's a real bad bugger. 
Um, he's cocky in that way that the Real Madrid image needs, but he's so impatient that the limited game time he's had already is clearly, you would judge, caused him to say to his agent, find me something. Because stories came out, and it was this typical um, poorly sourced tosh from Spain. Ceballos has told Liverpool, I want to come and play for Jurgen Klopp, I want to come and play for Liverpool this Christmas. All right, that's an interesting one. Ceballos really picked Liverpool and said, Come on, Jurgen, chop, chop, sign me. I'm not so sure. And then within 10 days, his um, former club, new coach, Kiki Setien at Betis, said in public, Yeah, it's true. Ceballos uh, wants to come back and play for us right away, which laws in Spain don't allow him to do. But for Kiki Setien to say, I mean, I'd like to be, you know, a fly in the wall next time Kiki Setien and Zidane are in the same room together because that hasn't done uh, the Frenchman any favours. So Ceballos is pissed off. And, and that is, that's going to undermine um, those around him who are new at the club and trying to find their way. It's undermining to Zidane. And Sabias doesn't run the club. He's not bigger than Zidane, but he should have been playing. He's right in his how aggrieved he is and wrong in the way he's let it filter out. And then there's Borja. Borja is a footballer a little bit like... Um, I mean, these are different players, but how would I call it? Ole Gunnar Solskjaer had too much football in him to say he was just a guy who somehow somehow had a water diviner in his brain about where the chance was going to fall or the, where somebody was going to make a mistake. Or Borja's not going to be a Raul either, but Raul worked so hard at knowing when an opposition defender was going to make a mistake. And Borja has got something about that Ability to sniff where a chance is going to come. Give him a clear-cut chance, particularly a header, and he'll bury it. He's a, he's a natural goal scorer um, who looks as if he just needs time. And again, what with Benzema's form before his injury, and, and I'll say the unthinkable, in Zidane's first full season, he took Ronaldo off in a situation where the game wasn't wrapped up, and Ronaldo sprung a half wasn't happy. They resolved it immediately between the two of them. But it was a really important moment to tell Ronaldo something about Zidane's cojones. It told other players, it told the media, it told the fans. In the end, they drew that match in Las Palmas, but they won the title. And these are the miniature gambles. It's all a a razor's edge between a smart move that we're all going to laud and then something that kind of looks a little bit weird in retrospect. But there have been opportunities whereby Borja and Bale could have played together and Ronaldo could have been... You say it's rested and everybody reads it as dropped and Zidane's authority is reinstated again. There have been there are other players. That'll do probably for the moment. And I'll give him credit, Neil. He, he's promoted Ashraf and he's risked young Ashraf at right back and that's been a moderately successful gamble. But there was room for others and there was a need for others. If we focus, Graham, on the games where Madrid have tended to drop points, um, let's just go to the Villarreal game at the weekend. <laughs> Perfect example, Madrid have a season-high 28 shots on goal. Sometimes you have to think that someone's buried an artefact under the goal they're attacking for the, goal not, for the ball not to go into the net. Zidane, after the game, we did everything possible to win. I'm not happy, nor do I feel beaten. We don't deserve this. Does he you, have a point? You want me to play... What is it they say in, in sort of modern... 
parlance, the world's smallest violin, and feel sorry for them. And uh, I'm going to help you on that. I was commentating the VRL game, and um, that meant that right in the moment, because of our match director, we, we had the great benefit of um, instant and repeated replays on two very clear events. There was a penalty when the ball came in, and I think it was um, Alvaro who um, sticks his arm out. It's an unnatural position. It's not a deliberate palming away of the ball. But his arm's extended. It's not for balance. It's a definite penalty, not given by Indiana Mayenko. The second one is much more serious because I'm going to go to the theme that you talked about. Against Villarreal, there was, there was a really weird uh, phenomenon that has happened before this season. I sent a call um, for uh, Villarreal. You saw it. I know I'm preaching that I converted for you. How good was he? He was phenomenal. I think you're going to talk about the, the theme of officials maybe getting a marginal call wrong and goalkeepers playing out of their skin kind of merge at one point mm. in this game. That's right. That's exactly right. Mark, the, the Isco's ball. It's nice. Modric, who increasingly has looked um, distracted or tired in big games for Madrid, but able to be influential when he's on the ball. He's good in sunny weather at the moment. That that will that will change. But in rainy weather, um, he's got a hole in his shoe. So having been stripped by Rakitic, his international teammate in the classical, and badly at fault for a crucial goal uh, just before Christmas. In this instance, he's on the ball, he's using it well, and he lays it uh, right to Isco. And Isco's balance and curve of the pass inside across the front of the six-yard box is right in uh, Cristiano's path. It's silver service. It's perfect. But Mario Gaspar, um, captain on the day and, and full-back, collides with Cristiano. And having looked at it so many times, if you look at Mario's eyes, I don't think it's a trip, but it is a foul. It's patently a foul. Cristiano's arrival at the chance, therefore, is just delayed by about beat, 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 that length of time. And because Asenko has anticipated the ball coming across before Isco's given it, he's racing out, staying not high, but he's not down on the ground. He's just ready to pounce on it. And the extra couple of seconds that Mario's foul on Cristiano gives the keeper means that they, they meet with Ronaldo making the right contact. Asensio blocks it and it's, it looks like a wonderful save until you see the penalty that's been committed. And we have to give credit to Javi Calleja, the, the Villarreal manager, who'd only in his playing career beaten Real Madrid once, which is when he came on in the 90th minute and was on the pitch about 30 seconds. But he set out a team to win. He picked a strategy to win. He made substitutions to win. And that is reflected in just about every team now that faces Real Madrid. Home or away, they think, if they're not there for the taking, they know exactly what they're able to do to either draw or win. Which is where, going back to the previous answer, if you've got Teo and Ceballos and Borja and Vieja in there, there's different questions being asked to the opposition, as well as a different level of performance and aggression and commitment from, from the Real Madrid side. Zizou. I'll talk this, listen, if you're listening, Cesar, I'll talk this through with you any time you like. Well, we've only got one more different question to ask um, of you. What's wrong with Real Madrid? I've been taking notes. 
And so far, <laughs> listeners, we have superhero goalkeepers, bad referees, team selection, a lack of renewal, in-game management, and training. Now, you're in the great man's shoes. Where's your focus? What's the one thing that you've got to address right now? We, we beat Leganes. Beat Leganes on, on Thursday in the first leg of the cup quarterfinal. They've got a brilliant draw. Leganes are having a wonderful season. We'll have a goal, but over two legs we'll be beaten. And it's absolutely crucial because although the Copa del Rey is not Real Madrid's number one focus, it never has been. It's been a couple of seasons since they won it. Um, the league is gone. At this point distance, the league is gone. But if they were to win the cup and then the Champions League, that would make this a five-trophy season. Either of them makes it a four-trophy season. Real Madrid's ability to um, re- reinvigorate, not re- rejuvenate their squad in time for whoever they draw once Leganes are defeated. And I'm going to say it again. I still believe they will beat Leganes. If they don't, this whole thing takes on a new dimension. Get that one result. Get that one performance. Get that feeling of uh, we're back. And I think it'll be an elixir. It's crucial that Benzema's back in scoring. It's crucial that Bale doesn't break down again. It's crucial somehow or another. And I genuinely believe it's about hard work for Cristiano Ronaldo. I genuinely believe that his split second when um, a defender gets in a touch or a block, split second where a keeper gets time to see where the shot's going. Um, He had a couple of brilliant efforts. He should really have, he deserved a goal at least. And in previous games, that performance, not just his chances, his performance would have probably given him two or three goals. We wouldn't be having this debate and Villarreal would have been beaten. Recuperating any kind of goal form from Ronaldo, even if it starts going in off his backside, these things are crucial. They're not losing to Valencia in two league games times. It's Depor at home and next, and then it's Valencia away. Valencia away where the last three results in La Liga have been a 2-2 undefeats and a 2-2 draw, one of which did for Rafa Benitez, the other one did for Carlo Ancelotti. It, it's, it's about building blocks. And unless he's willing to drop people, then it's about whether... The champion mentality. There's been a series of Zidane's players saying, we're doing all we can. Um, it was seized upon that um, Marcelo said, well, you know, listen, there's nothing more we can defend. There was real bewilderment on Nacho's face at the weekend when he said, listen, we, we just don't know why it's not happening because they believe us, the pain we feel is as great as the fans do. Nacho is a level-headed, smart, honest young man. Cruz said, we've got to concentrate on finishing in the top four, second or third if possible. The title's gone as far as Tony Cruz is concerned. And he's now, although I thought they would fight back, he is right. So it's about building blocks and the way that that can begin to happen for Zidane, other than him dropping players. And also potentially when Benzema and Bale and Ronaldo are all fit at the same time, which I think is going to be from about this weekend... Going back to a 4-3-3 and making sure that the midfield work harder because they're not working hard enough. If the champion players are as sore as they claim to be, then recuperation and the fight back and the building blocks can come from within. So it all shapes up to be quite an interesting next two or three weeks. And by the time they've either escaped with their heads 
or had their tails set on fire at the Mestaya, it's about two weeks until they play the first leg of their knockout tie against Paris Saint-Germain at home. So, um, what is this space? Good advice for us all. Thanks for listening. Graham, thanks a lot. To get this month's exclusive Di Matteo Big Interview, plus that Pep Guardiola documentary, it is time to become a socio. In doing so, you'll also unlock our entire archive of exclusive episodes, which include Rafa van der Vaart, Ledley King, Robbie Keane, Jermaine Defoe and Kevin Phillips. Think about the goals, the quality and the stories that that lot hold. The Big Interview costs much more to produce than every other football podcast on your feed. Why? It's mainly because I have to travel to every interview from Spain and my producers need to do so from Scotland. The adverts and sponsorship you hear barely cover costs. Should you become a socio, you'll be helping keep us on the road and help keep us delivering the interviews that you've all been enjoying since 2015. Sign up right now for just £2.99 per month and you'll be supporting the future of The Big Interview and helping us to continue producing entertaining independent content. Go right now to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Graham Hunter. Support us. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.